as everyone knows, you know, the, the, the COVID-19 crisis is un unlike uh, any other uh, crisis that we've really faced. It's indiscriminate upon any industry or any person. Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There is a Better Way. I'm here with uh, Mr. Jason Breeder, who is uh, an uh, aviation pilot and an ex-military veteran, and also a 2019 MBOE grad. Welcome to the program, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sure, Jason. So today we're going to talk about how um, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic is affecting several industries, in particular airline industry. Because uh, when we think about COVID, we talk about healthcare and we talk about um, how uh, physicians and nurses are on the front line doing amazing things at this point. We also forget about other people who are on the front line like postal workers and airline operators who are actually carrying people from point A to point B in this uh, difficult time. And you belong to one of those categories. So can you tell us more, Jason, about how your industry and your, your organization in, in general uh, is affected by this COVID crisis and what are you all doing in, in this uh, midst? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I've been in the airlines for, uh, for the better part of uh, three years, going on four years here in June. And, uh, you know, um, kind of came to in on the uh, the heyday of, of hiring growth um, demand um, really was projected to be pretty high. Um, as everyone knows, you know, the, the, the COVID-19 crisis is un unlike uh, any other uh, crisis that we've really faced. It's indiscriminate upon any industry or any person, no matter uh, what your background or what your industry specializes in. So, um, with that being said, um, you know, just a of a flip of switch here we were in February and kind of playing it down. I think we had memes going across everyone uh, about the whole crisis. And then, you know, March came around and, and everything kind of just went from there uh, down downhill. Um, specifically, you know, I work for uh, SkyWest Airlines. It's the largest regional in uh, the United States. Uh, we fly for Delta, United, American, and Alaska Airlines. Um, with that being said, um, all those airlines have had to adjust their scheduling um, to, uh, you know, meet the, or, or I guess, the flex and the demand that we we face with the industry. So, um, you know, speaking on that, uh, you know, a lot of routes were cut, a lot of aircraft were cut, and personnel have been cut along with that. So that's interesting, Jason. So from, a, but still, there are some uh, flights that are operating as we speak, right? And um, with, I'm assuming some of them are empty. I've been reading articles about um, like uh, a flights carrying like two or three passengers going from Boston to LA. And, and again, how, how, like I, I understand why they have to get operated because of the, the needs. But what are some things that the airlines are doing to minimize the COVID crisis? How are they like, um, are they doing some things in addition to what they usually do to clean the aircraft? Or how is that process going on? Sure. Um, you know, aircraft, uh, you know, the cleaning, cleaning process uh, with aircraft has definitely been enhanced. Um, in between flight segments, uh, we have uh, specialized agents, uh, cleaning agents that will come on the aircraft to wipe down every seatback, tray table, uh, and even fog uh, the aircraft with an essential and aerosolized uh, uh, mister, um, similar to Lysol or something like that, uh, an agent that's 
I guess, been proven effective in helping uh, the disease or the virus from persisting on any kind of surface. So, you know, this was something that may or may not have happened every day. I don't know. It didn't happen. Why well, was Tim Clown Aircraft rather than cleaning up the, the oops spills uh, that would happen on a routine flight? But it's definitely something that, that's happened now um, in between each flight segment. And at the operating level, it's something that I think is probably going to kind of persist uh, as we kind of move uh, from this. Um, I think, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, this might be a better change for the airline as far as ensuring, you know, we're protecting our uh, our our customers. That's interesting that, again, there are some learning, there are some silver lining from this uh, pandemic. So from your work standpoint, Jason, um, as you start thinking about flying an aircraft at this point, has that changed a lot? Are you doing more uh, pre-planning and managing some of these things in the way uh, you're flying? With a, with a lot of our flights, uh, the, the way we've kind of adjusted is, is typically, you know, with, with a, a lot of flight crews, we typically fly a three-day or four-day segment um, of flights. Each, each segment may consist of a dozen or 16 different flight legs, um, at least at the regional level of, of, of demand. Um, we've adjusted in, in a sense from that to, to um, try to minimize similar operational expenses. I mean, it's expensive to operate an aircraft. You're paying for a crew, you're paying for the fuel, um, you're paying for the commissary thing that gets on there. So we've seen some consolidation in response to this, kind of leaning the system out um, as you will, to uh, try to minimize some of those uh, operating costs. Um, typically, I, like I said, I, me personally, I would fly a three-day uh, trip. Now I'm kind of uh, flying a one-day trip. Um, you know, I'm going in early in the morning, flying maybe four segments, and then coming home in the evening. Um, and the, the, the offset of that, or the cost of that savings is basically the overnight hotels. Crews are required to be put up in hotels for our to meet our crew rest requirements. And that typically for uh, an aircraft like mine, that's four different rooms for our four different personnel on there. And again, going back to your um, um, knowledge and uh, learning from MBOE program, how is that uh, helping you right now? What are some things that you're doing uh, right now that helps you do things better? Um, it's just uh, trying to look for ways to increase the efficiency of, of the process. Um, you know, our boarding process is extremely expedited when we only have to board a few people as opposed to just 70 uh, uh, total person or, uh, passengers. Um, with that, you know, it's trying to look at ways to reduce the cost. You know, if we can taxi out on one engine uh, to a runway, you know, that has saved some fuel there um, rather than running two engines to that runway we're departing on. Um, you know, uh, making sure we can depart on time, uh, taking care of all the things we could do. Um, you know, we, we definitely, especially at SkyWest, you know, we want to see our, our, our operations survive. In response to this whole thing, uh, personally, our company, we've taken a reduction in, in our, our mandatory credit requirements. Typically, uh, with the way a schedule is built is maybe you're awarded 90 hours of credit. You know, this is kind of like how we're paid through the month. And we've taken a reduction down to 68 hours in response to. Um, and additionally, people are offered the opportunity to take maybe one to three months off of voluntary unpaid. Maybe they have another job or maybe they have another source of income or, or maybe they just want to further protect themselves from any kind of uh, issues. Uh, like That's kind of what we've, we've been able to do for our companies. Like, hey, let's, let's kind of give them a little bit of breathing room as far as some of the overheads and, and help out that way. 
And in your in your industry specifically, I know like licensing um, is a function of the number of hours you actually fly, right? right? And then you've got to to maintain a certain license. You've got to flown a certain number of hours. With this COVID crisis, again with the cancellation of uh, aircrafts and uh, flight schedules, how are you managing that? Because you probably would not have the same amount of flying hours that you had in the not pre-COVID era. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, we are required to maintain a level of proficiency. Obviously, this is a licensing requirement through the FAA. And obviously, uh, personal investment into our safety uh, in proficiency. Um, with the licensing requirement, we're required as pilots to maintain a, a medical uh, certification. Um, the FAA has granted waivers um, uh, upon that because what we're finding is a lot of the aeromedical examiners, they call them AMEs, um, are unavailable right now. Um, and then you may not be able to get to that person. So the FAA has granted waivers on that. Um, personally, our, with our company, that's looked at on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, we still want to make sure people are physically able to, to take care of themselves, especially if maybe they have uh, a limitation that's already uh, known or maybe there was something that has changed. Um, additionally, uh, flight training proficiency minimums. Every six months or every one year, we go to a flight simulator to uh, practice things that we cannot do in the aircraft. Uh, with that, you know, people uh, have a continued qualification that they do every year. Um, again, the FAA has granted waivers out to, uh, I believe it's August of 2020. Um, if you were starting to get within this period of, hey, you need to meet your requalification, um, you're not able to because our simulators are shut down right now. So the FAA, along with their company, have put out the, the guidance to address those. If you were coming in that window, what we're going to do with you, what you can expect. So um, beyond that, you know, it's uh, uh, with some of the people that have had granted been, been granted time off, they're scheduled to come in and operate at least one flight because we have to do a minimum of landings and takeoffs as well. So, so this is interesting. You're all, um, as we speak, you're also like um, planning and reacting and developing contingencies to make sure that, again, once this pandemic is over, uh, you could operate in steady state. So let me ask you this. You already mentioned um, a couple of learnings. I, I want to go back to that. So um, moving forward, and let's hope that uh, all of this is over, or at least like we come to a new normal very soon. What are some key things that you have learned uh, from this pandemic that moving forward, you and Skyjet are going to use it to have a better operations? Uh, you know, it, it, it's been very fluid, very dynamic is, is the way I can, I can only can describe this. I, I think uh, just going back to what I said earlier, you know, in, in February, this wasn't so much of an issue. March, you know, was definitely serious. I mean, as we're sitting here in April, we're looking at further cuts in, in, in May. I mean, additionally, there was a reduction of 70% of, of, of the flying. Um, that was Delta, at least, you know, 80% international. Now we're looking at reductions down to 90%. I mean, you know, so really what it's kind of taught is a lot of flexibility. Um, I believe, you know, the Fisher... Uh, college business is offering a, a leadership podcast or a leadership seminar on resilience here. And, and that's kind of what it is. It's resilience. Um, we're looking at ways to, to, you know, save on costs and overhead. Um, we have a great pilot group, a great flight attendant group, and, and all the support personnel that go along with uh, what we do at SkyWest. And uh, a lot of people have offered their time off or, or ways to 
assist the company and and making sure we success because you know if the company doesn't succeed then we all fail and that kind of goes with any industry you know you we don't want to see the, the things we're invested in the things we care about fail and as a group as as human beings as you know, americans we want to become resilient so that's really the, the big part is just the resilience you know and just you know you're adapting on the fly um you know when from you know it could be a totally different ball game here next week it's very nicely said, Jason, about being more resilient and being more adaptive are some things that I, this, this pandemic, I'm always looking for a silver lining in this kind of uh, dark times. And I do see some of those learnings to be um, translating even before beyond this, though. Really enjoyed having this conversation with you. Good luck as you, sp and I, I know that like, as you think about uh, time, you're going to spend some time with the family. You've been really extremely busy flying and spending less time home. So this, again, this could be a positive side for you to spend more time with your family. So good luck. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. We'll, we'll meet up in DTW uh, one day again. Uh, you know, that's just the big thing. You know, we'll all get through this together. You know, we've, we've been through hard times as, as, uh, as Americans or as people in the world, in between the, the natural disasters and, or the acts of man. And we always kind of come out a little strong on top. So, you know, we'll get through this together. I'm a pretty optimistic person and, and hope people find the silver lining at the end of this. Thank you so much, Jason. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.